So hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Mark. Today I'm excited to welcome Julius Cowdery and Fabian Cowdery. Julius is a TV and media personality, best known for his time on Made in Chelsea, and Fabian is a business and life coach. So how are you both, and what are three things that make you smile? Ooh, Fabs, you want to start? Gosh, three things that make me smile. Um, I would say three things that make me smile are, firstly, the sunshine. I'll keep it very boring to start. Um, secondly, <laughs> That's spending a good one. time with, with the twin brother when he's on good form, not when he's on bad form. <laughs> and uh, mm, we need to hear about the bad form. <laughs> we, we we will. And uh, and thirdly, since you mentioned that I I do some coaching as well, more more seriously, when a client starts to refer to them their journey in the past tense, so they arrive with me and they say these are the things I'm struggling with. I think it's going to be impossible to get away from it and make the transformation. And then three months down the line, they go something like, oh, I I remember when I was that person or that's what I used to do or something like that or that's not me anymore. That's pretty cool. That makes me smile. It's like the personal growth in someone that you see in the change. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Fabs, you, re- you really kicked it off nicely there. I'd say, okay, f- uh, for me, adventure, traveling, being away, I ca- I'm just constantly smiling, can't get off my face. I l- there's this dog called Fox, that I, my friend's dog, makes me smile the whole time. Um, and what else makes me smile? A good burger and chips. <laughs> I, 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 I Probably also, make everyone smile. <laughs> I, I, I kept that pretty, uh, pretty simple, but pretty obvious things there. But, uh, but I guess, yeah, human connection, good food, movement, um, and obviously doing this podcast right now is making me smile. So, Brilliant. brilliant. You travel a lot, right? And um, tell us about this passport. Oh, my God, the passport debacle. So Fabian and I are in Turkey on a family holiday. For those listening, we went went away last year. Was it last year, Fabs, or the year before? It was, it was last, last year. year. You probably tried to wipe it um, from your memory. I tried to wipe it so much. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to forget about it. But um, <laughs> basically, I arrived with my passport, as you do in holiday. We spent, had a lovely week away, and as we were packing up to go, passport was nowhere to be seen. Gone. Disappeared out of sight. And so we go to the airport, and I'm trying to wangle my way through security. And as you probably imagine... You can't get through security without a passport. I was going, please let me in. So I couldn't get in. So I, um, yeah, so sadly I had to stay on my own and wait for me to get a new passport. But it's a very lonely thing. And you start to, you know, I was trying to just appreciate the moment and be like, you know what, I'm in a beautiful country here and uh, and it's, it could be worse. But when you're on your own in, in a, you know, in a country just waiting for a passport, it wasn't wasn't that enjoyable. Well, Jules, what I found seriously funny about that is how you tried to take the border control rules which have been in place for however long into your own hands and tried to plead your way through through arrivals and also sorry departures. Um, that was ter- it was a terrible situation. The beauty is myself, my dad, and um, and uh, my my dad's family. Um, all got on the flight and left Julius to to, <laughs> to deal with life by himself in Turkey. That's a d- these are the regretful. two things. I felt very regretful. Yeah. <laughs> That's the two things I like. One, he tried to plead his way through. And two, you guys left. <laughs> yeah. I said, Fame said to me, Fame said, would you like me to stay? And I said, no, I think you should go. And Faz went, okay then. And then went straight through security. He <laughs> off into security and took the next flight. <laughs> well, at least I asked. Amazing. <laughs> and at least you made it back. At least you made it back. So, um, 
obviously we know each other um julius through um you've been to see me in clinic a few times to you know get smile looking amazing which looks absolutely fantastic it's all down to you <laughs> and um fabian you guys are twin brothers mm-hmm. if i'm right and you work together as well yeah, we do. Uh, it's it's a very new business partnership, actually. I remember at sort of age 16 or 17, maybe 18, actually. Uh, Julius and I always said at some point in our life, we'd like to set something up together. I think the journey just hasn't really allowed it. Julius went into his music and then went on the show. I played cricket professionally for six years. The day I left school, I, I signed my first contract. So I was sort of thrust into that world. Um, and the, the time had never really come around until we were around 28, 29, where we thought of trying to leverage what we do, which is primarily what we were doing, is one-on-one coaching, helping people around the world with their mindset, transformation, overcoming things, business, all of those sorts of things. And how we do it for more people and provide more value, create new friendships, create a community, which we're, we're doing with Safe Space at the moment, um, and have more impact. So Julius and I are both massively invested in self-development personally, and we've had to undergo that self-development journey to sort of emotionally survive at some points in our life as well so um getting the training on top was was a really life-changing moment for i think both of us actually and we we came together we're best mates we live together which is interesting for the business dynamic because we we don't stop talking about how we can uh, move everything forwards but um yeah i love it and we're best mates still um long may that continue if he uh, if he remains a good bloke at home what is this about apparently i'm a bad bloke or something i'm only winding <laughs> you up that just shows like how good a relationship you guys have that you know you're able to live together and work together so that's really amazing and i always wondered what it must be like to have a twin you know someone that you've always got that connection with and you can hopefully rely on <laughs> whenever yeah, well, you need them. a lot a lot of twins don't stay friends i mean we we've known a few friends and i know a couple of my dad's a dad has mates who are twins they don't even speak to each other some live on the opposite side of the world i guess the good thing about mum and dad is they always try to keep us very separate in our in our our, well we were always sort of passionate about the same things but really like we weren't dressed in the same clothes we weren't doing the exact same thing the whole time it was very much Julius and Fabian not the twins uh we're obviously not identical as well so that maybe was a good thing but but yeah we just get on really well and we we just have this passion for helping people and then okay well how can we do it together how can we help more people but also with safe space we've improved the value of it you know it's quite expensive having a coach one-on-one so how can we access more people, work with more people, and also make it a bit more uh, better value for people so that we can actually help more people? That's how we wanted to do it. So Safe Space has been an amazing journey so far. It's amazing. So, um, Julius, we got to ask, tell us about Made in Chelsea. Um, how did it come about? Um, did you enjoy being on TV? And do you regret it? Or do you think, yes, it was 100% worth it? I love how you said, do you regret it? Like you assume I'll regret it instead of... Do you regret it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it well, you found. never know. That's got to be asked. It's got to be asked. I get asked that a lot. Um, doing... Uh, okay, I'm I'm glad I did the show. Because it's... What, what a what a cool and exciting experience, you know? And to, and to travel the world with the show and meet some amazing people. So, you know, a couple of my really best friends in the world are from doing the show um you know i'm uh, digby and fred a couple of my best friends in the world i met doing the show so i would never look back and say i wish i didn't do it there are some obviously i got i was on the show i was asked to go on the show because i was friends with liv and ollie lock and and they put me forward and so i did it and I was, i've done quite a few seasons now um i've left the show very recently yes um and 
that's purely because I want to focus all my energies on what's actually going to be long term for me. The show is short term. The show is uh, finite. The show will end, you know, and, and it takes up a lot of energy. And for me to focus on doing what actually truly matters. Also, if I'm going to be a coach and take it seriously, having silly, meaningless fights with people about, you know, about nothing, um, it doesn't really sit well with, you know, what safe space is all about. And and uh, and so, yeah, so the show was very exciting, very good fun. Um, worth it in my 20s, now in my 30s, we're going a new level, we're leveling up, we're leveling up performance, we're upgrading and safe space is going to be huge. So we're really excited about that. We're very excited as well. Um, So tell us about your father was a cricketer and your grandfather and Fabian, you were a cricketer as well. Yeah. So tell um... us all about that. (laughs) Um, crazy, really. Um, I, I also just to add another layer to that, my great grandfather, our great grandfather, Ernest, was a professional cricketer as well. So we've actually got another one at the top. Um, wow. So it almost felt like, a, from the outset, from from the outside even, that I was destined to play cricket. But the thing was, I remember being five or six, um, and Dad would play with us in the garden. But I remember as time developed and he saw that I had potential to maybe go on and follow in the family footsteps, that he used to hide behind trees at cricket matches and didn't want me to understand the gravitas of the surname. Obviously, Dad, Captain England, Grandpa, uh, Grandfather Colin, Captain England, probably was the best of all of us. Um, so that added, there was, a, there was a level of pressure there, obviously, before I'd even hit a ball. It was only when I got to 18 years old and my first game that I was picked in, which was very unfair by the head coach, was against a touring New Zealand side just before they were about to play against England in a, in a, in a series, in a one-day competition. And all of their best players, international players, were playing against Kent. And I came out to bat number five or six for the team. If you're not familiar with cricket, I was somewhere in the middle. Not the best batsman, but somewhere in the middle. And... Um, as I walked out with my name on my back, I was leaving the pavilion, which was my great-grandfather's pavilion. And to the right of me was the Colin Cowdery stand. And there were 10,000 people in the ground, intimate ground. All of them stood to their feet. Every single person. I remember the goosebumps rushing up and down, down my spine. Um, and the noise was deafening. And they weren't clapping me. <laughs> they were clapping the family legacy that I just entered into. So it was a very surreal situation that I'll never forget and I'd never replace it for anything. I can take myself back to that moment all the time, but it just shows the, um, the, de- the degree of success they had in the industry and perhaps the, uh, the, the I, I guess, the strangeness of what I was about to embark on. But that finished at 24. I moved, I moved on, um, struggled a little bit with my mental health, trying to transition from sport um, and try and re-identify who I was as a person, which was one of the hardest journeys I've ever gone on. And so I guess in that period, that allowed me to learn about self-development and has has taught me everything I know about um, how to manage expectation, how to deal with pressure, failure, all of these things, which I'm I'm so honoured to to work with people all over the world to to support them with. Yeah, I was going to ask whether you kind of felt that kind of the weight of the family name and legacy and and how it was kind of stepping out of that yeah you know why you know why i didn't do it because of that pressure (laughs) (laughs) julius you made the right decision (laughs) it's it's uh, it was even all the way up to when i last played my last game you know you know they'd say bowler's name and i'd go julius because i didn't want to say the last name because julius julius what so do you know you know the the scorer or something and the julius couch and they go suddenly just and I'm playing in some sort of B team, you know, it's, or it's some sort of charity match. And it's um, Fabian's very modest. Fabian was this uh, 
I mean, what is the what is the word? You are this young, just I, the name Fabian Cadre would be muttered during school time, and and teams would fear Fabian playing. I mean, he was just a freak. He beat every record that Grandpa and Dad set. Um, but you know, like Fabian said, he mentally went through a lot of challenge through the game and decided that his happiness was more important than his 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 whatever happened in the game of cricket. And it's almost similar to me in terms of music. It's like I still release music, and Fabian still plays cricket, but we do it for fun now. And we're focusing on what actually truly matters. So it's interesting. Well, when you grow up, you kind of think you're going to be one thing, but why can't you mould into different things? Yeah, it's funny you say that as well, Jules, because I, if you had told me at age 17, 18, a troubled you know, kid just leaving school, firstly that I would have played six years cricket or you would have, played, you would have been singing professionally for a few years, um, but then you would go on to be a life coach. I mean, the, 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 what I'm most proud of actually is not the cricket career, of both of us is is our ability to be resilient when times have got tough and actually have, to have to have learned what we've learned about coaching but about ourselves and I think the biggest route to growth is to be super self-aware of of your what why you are who you are of your nurture so you can recognize it in the moment and switch it um, as opposed to letting it dominate you so I always go on about being proactive in our emotions and our thoughts um, instead of reactive because the rational brain is so quiet when uh, when we're faced with things and the emotional brain is so much stronger for all of us as human beings so we didn't die when getting chased by saber-toothed tigers thousands of years ago but it's not relevant to us now so we need to find a rational explanation to our troubles and that would be one of the things that I'm most proud of me and Julius for for being able to achieve so far. Yeah, I think because um, I have a history of treating a few cricketers as well, like, um, you know, Kevin Peterson, etc. And I think there's a lot invested in it from the fans. So that's the thing that you got to take with you and um, try and do your best. And that's what you can do. So, um, Julius, you talked a little bit about the music and your passion for music. So um, was that something you were always interested in? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Mum was mum was a sang professionally jazz when she was a bit younger, and then Dad was a professional sportsman. Fabian went down the sport route. I I sort of followed Mum in that in that regard, and it was sort of the only thing I was really good at. Not really good, but good at. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I left. I was at the. I mean, I was eighteen, leaving school, and you speak to the, the, the sort of future careers people, and they go, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just. What are you good at?" I said, "I don't know, but I do like to sing." And you know, you hear about these amazing, like Billie Eilish, who's nine years old, writing um, "Ocean Eyes." You know, that be writing a song that goes number one for two weeks or something. Nine years old, nine years old. I didn't even know how to hold my fork and knife properly, let alone write a song. <laughs> so, um, so then get to eighteen, nineteen. I was like, do you know, I'd love to, I'd like to write some music, and I'd like to gig, and I started gigging, doing that. But do you know what? I found it really hard to even be heard. I remember there was this one gig in Essex, which was my third ever gig, and I was in South Wooding or, or Epping, sorry, Epping. I was in, and uh, I had this gig, and I think Mum, Fabian, and Dad what came, and a friend of mine, Ben. And I was lagging up my piano and there I was singing my lovely heartfelt songs. I'd never been heartbroken, but I was singing about heartbreak because it was the only thing I thought maybe people would listen to. And there I was going, la, 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 la. This probably crap music, crap song. Um, but doing my best, you know, because I was young and doing my best. I was 19, 20. And uh, suddenly, I mean, there's literally five people in the audience. Four of them are uh, my family and friends. And then there's the sound engineer and that's it. And suddenly 20 
men walk in, right? I'm a little boy singing my songs. They walk in, I'm trying to sing my love songs. And they're, in a, they're on a, a bachelor party. And they're down it, down it. And they're having the time of life, not caring about that little kid in the corner singing about heartbreak. And I, and I could have easily just given up in that moment. But I, but I, just, I just continued kind of slogging away, writing, gigging, not really believing myself. And then the show came up. And then when the show came up, I thought, oh my God, I can be heard now. I can get a following. I didn't really think, so that's why I did the show in the end, because I, I just needed someone to listen. Rather, <laughs> rather than the old man and his dog, you know? Yeah, well, it's a really, obviously, amazing journey. And, and you play instruments as well, obviously. And, yeah. um, you know, that it's fantastic. Bad. But I wanted to get on to this exciting thing, which is a project of the coaching and safe space. So tell us all about it. I can jump in there if, if, uh, if Julesy doesn't mind. Yeah, yes, um, yes, maybe in fact. I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's just been a development really that we, we had an idea of how we wanted to leverage in our, um, our, our services, our skills, and what we wanted to create in this socially driven world where everything uh, is sort of being taken away from the concept of community. We wanted to create something which was still accessible to people all over the world, so still online. Um, but offer people the chance to come together. So we be believe in the power of togetherness to self-develop and achieve what they want to achieve in life. So we have a number of different programs that we are launching onto the website soon. We've got some incredible news about our next coach who's specializing on peak performance and having an optimal mindset. Um, we've been running safe space groups for 10 to 15 people, so super intimate for the last eight or nine months and seen transformations that we actually didn't envisage seeing. You know, but what was amazing was we, we introduced these topics, talk about the importance of them. And you're bringing life experiences from all over the world, all different ages. And people are on their own different emotional journey and we're connecting them. Um, and because they all have the same drive to achieve in whatever program title it is. So if it's confidence, they all want to get more confident. They, they gel together. Um, so we in between each session and after we've created the concept, the talk, um, everyone starts to engage with each other and they leave with an accountability at the end of the session. And the beauty of that is that Julius really drives this home and the, more than me, he's like, right, we have spoken about this for 60 minutes. What can we do this week, which has been related to this concept that we've discussed this week that can allow you to make real strides. And the beauty is they know they're coming back the following week and they have a WhatsApp group to remain accountable to. So with that, they're, they're able to really integrate new habits um, and create real change, real change where they can actually see it in their life. So it's been it's been amazing, and um, even better I can do with Jules. Do you know Do you know what, Richard? What we've what I've found through coaching, found for my own personal happiness, is that it's the small, seemingly insignificant things that you do over time consistently that will actually create huge change for you. It's not just the one going for that big that that jog once a week, or just do or suddenly eating well once once in once a month. It's doing things over time that improve your health, your mental health, your mind, and your and your action that sort of action taking ability. And so, safe space. We meet once a week. We have that WhatsApp group, coaching, delving into amazing conversations. So our new coach will be live on the website. So this will be the first time we'll be talking about it. Uh, and he's a legend of rugby. His name's Lewis Moody. Um, wow. He he is uh, a, a, a hero of Fabian and I's. We have met with him. He's going to be doing his own Master Your Mindset program for only 15. So you're going to think a squad of 15 with Lewis. He's an unbelievable guy. It will go like so quickly, <laughs> that program. He's going to be taking a three-month program on Mindset, and we are so pumped. And then the other program we're doing at the moment is uh, Skyrocket Your Confidence. And the transformations, Richard, we're having at the moment 
when people are saying, I've never felt more happy. I'm, I didn't leave my house for a year, but I'm leaving my house. I finally took back my worth and ended that relationship that I didn't need to be in. I'm doubling my income. I mean, people are coming back to us, reviewing Safe Space, and, go, and it's, it's a complete 100% success. And we're seeing people change and radically change their lives. So we're just, we're just feeling so amazing about that because it's, it's adding value to people. So a lot of it is confidence coaching. And what other, is there any other areas that you have a particular interest in? Or is it kind of a broad about personal development? Well, yeah, I'll come in there. Self-development is such a broad statement, isn't it? So the way that we want mm. to take it is, is eventually on, onto the app store and create something that's at the fingertips of people. But at the moment, we, we want to specialize in specific programs. So we have coaches coming on regarding attracting healthy love, the art of effective communication, confidence, optimize your product productivity so everything around morning routines how you start how you end the day what are you doing the small and significant things are you doing them well in order to create com- the compound effect which will lead you to your goals so in answer to that question it's um we we are adding maybe five or six programs hopefully in the next two or three months around lots of different areas of self-development we're looking at business coaching where we can bring on someone who's a specialist in that area to promote and push how to become the best salesperson how to deliver under pressure. The beauty of Lewis's uh, Mindset Mastery course is you know, his nickname was the Mad Dog of English Rugby because there was a time in the dressing room where he was England captain. And he said to everyone, if you're not prepared to die for the country, then you're not part of my team. And he was, he was able to get himself into a mental space where he was going to lay everything on the line for his country. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a particularly rational and healthy thing to do. But if someone can get themselves to that mode of performance where they just they are tunnel vision, they know what to do, they have everything in place, they have full confidence in their ability and they're prepared to lay everything on the line. Um, that's a pretty powerful person. So what he's going to pass on is all of the things that he learned in the dressing room, what has made him tick. Uh, but also he's a qualified life coach as well. So he knows how to do and use the coaching model effectively. So we're, we're, we're super pumped. In answer to your question, self-development is everything. We always want to improve. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, obviously, I've heard of him before. And um, I think that perhaps he has that warrior mindset, you know, <laughs> which really helps him. And that's kind of goes into um, having the strength and having the mental and self-belief and also having that resilience as well. So all of those things probably help him to, you know, be a winner and be successful. And, and that's probably what, you know, he can pass on to people. Yeah, Richard. We look. We come from a, a, a sporting background, and we love. We've loved that. And also, so, um, Lewis Moody obviously played in teams for a long time. The reason why he was so keen to come on is because he sees the value of doing it, not doing it alone. I wish I had something like Safe Space when I was younger. I wish I had something like it when I was mid twenties, where I could bounce off other people's experience. Wish where I could have a team of people to stay accountable to. It's life can be lonely sometimes, especially when you're going through that added challenge of, I don't know, other things like relationships or you're feeling like you're, there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. You're comparing yourself to others. There's a lot of, uh, you know, anxieties at an all time high at the moment. And we do we do it better when we're in a team. Yeah, it's good to that. feel that you're not alone. I yeah. think that's a really important thing. And like you said, you know, collectively, that power is really strong. Um, so I wanted to also ask you about fitness and nutrition, because those are two important things, you know, to health and well-being. 
and something we talk about quite a lot. So what's what's your approach to that? Oh, I'm going to go in there because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, all, I'm always ticking on paper, knocking Fabian's <laughs> shoulder, saying, "Are you being healthy?" Um, True. I okay. Um, Fabian and I both spin instruct as a side hobby. We're actually doing a 24-hour static cycle this Friday. Um, so and which is for charity for a, a charity called James's Place. We're trying to raise money, and so we're going to be on the the bike for 24 hours non-stop, which is going to be a very very hard challenge. We love our health. We love our fitness. I, I every day I eat. I'm on fresh fitness food, uh, which is actually my friend's business. Um, so I have my food delivered to me every day with all my macros and my protein, my carbs, keeps me energized. But also like you can eat well, you can train well, but also there's recovery and being able to get that sleep in. Sleep, I believe, is the, the number one pillar. And it's the number one pillar of health. You know, you, people talk about food and they talk about water, but you die quicker if you don't sleep. <laughs> and so, and, so um, and, and, I, and I'm pretty sure you'll start feeling pretty rotten if you, if you don't sleep. And so that's why we're gonna be really taking on that 24 hour challenge is gonna be tough for us. But when I work with clients and when I speak to friends, if they're ever struggling, I think it's, it, it's, it's always how can you get your body right first or how can you get the health for, right first? Because you're giving yourself the best chance for your mind to also exist in a good place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so for me, that's been the greatest thing for, and greatest thing for my mental health. When I've, uh, when I've struggled, usually it's because I'm not putting my, my health first. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's a big part of our lives. Uh, especially we've got to walk the walk if we're talking the talk and we're working with clients working on health we've got to also exude that as well yeah yeah i think one of the keys with sleep is being able to let go which is much easier said than done but if you're able to say that day is done and close a chapter in the book on that day and you know tomorrow is a new day as they say that really helps you just mm. get to sleep because you're not processing all those things from the day that you've already done. And, you know, you know, there's nothing you've done that day. Yeah. And let's think about the next one, you know. So I think that's really important. And the other thing is, like, when you uh, are exercising and doing fitness, obviously, it tires you out. So that helps you sleep as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just I was just going to say on the back of that point, absolutely. Uh, when it comes to optimizing your productivity and <laughs> but also managing expectations. If you can't fulfill all your daily tasks, which you may have written down on a list, but you've achieved six of the seven really well, but you just didn't have time for the seventh, you can't take that out on yourself, just add it to the next day and make sure you do yeah. it then. So you can go to bed without many things flying through your mind. You just make it tomorrow's priority. Um, re regarding letting go, I think that's, you know, that's such a difficult and um, conversation for people because there are so many things we, we hold on to and when something's been emotionally traumatic say in the past more broadly when I'm talking about letting go um, every time we've had an emotional experience that we've attached to our brain doesn't know the difference between the present moment and the past so when we start to think about a moment in the past whether it be a bad breakup or something that even happened that day that's been damaging emotionally we will take ourselves back to the feeling of that moment so the beauty of present thinking which is what letting go is it's being able to stay present and not live either side either worrying about the future or worrying about the past is trying to remember what you can and can't do in that moment what can you actually control um and lots of the work that we do is about how we can re-symbolize what things in the past mean to someone because if every time you think about a certain situation it triggers sadness or it triggers some level of depression because it was difficult that is going to be your energy now but if they can change the script to what that actually means to them, 
that's when you can begin to have powerful results and move on because you've made peace. You've made peace with that. Um, and that is the, there's power in that. And I, of course, you'll naturally sleep better as well if you're able to get to that space. But. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, um, you know, it's about reframing it. And I was also going to say, after your 24-hour bike ride, you're definitely both going to be sleeping well. <laughs> well, well, well we, we finish at 1 p.m. the next day, so we're going to try and have to stay wow. up. Wow. <laughs> it's like a jet lag. <laughs> yeah, God, we're going to try and hit uh, uh, 500k um, kilometres. We're going to try and, uh, obviously, the only time we're allowed a break is when we need to pop to the loo. Other than that, we're just going to be constantly eating, constantly needing some form of distraction, so that we, because the hardest bit won't be the muscles, it will be the bum. It will, be the, it will be the tailbone. It will be the sitting down for that long. I sit down. I sit down on a chair for too long. I start getting aches. I mean, uh, so, Richard, if you want to join us, you're welcome to pop up. <laughs> I can um, be a cheerleader. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are your tips for achieving your life goals? Oh, um, I know that's a difficult one, but <laughs> well, I, I, th- I actually did a video on, uh, on Instagram about this um, the other day. Now, I. I a lot of people, when they set themselves goals, they sort of, it looks too scary, right? Big dreams, right? We want big dreams. We want that thing in five years, 10 years. But when we look at it and we only focus on that big dream, well, the, the, what's right in front of you, it feels too scary, right? And so I kind of explained it on the videos of, as if you're not, when you're climbing up to the top of a peak of a mountain, you're not focusing on the peak of the mountain. You know it's there, but you're focusing on each step in front of you. Because if you're only focused on the mountain at the top, you're going to trip over because you're not focused on the step. My greatest advice that I wish I gave myself sooner is you take the pressure off when you focus on the next day and the day in front of you, not the next month and the month, six months. When I work with clients, we, we pull the, the big dream down. We work out, okay, what do you want then? Say five years. What do you want? How, what do you have to do in year one to achieve that? And then, okay, year one, what do you have to do each month to achieve that year one? Okay, what person do you need to become to live through the week to achieve that? And so it's, I think for me, it's about putting into small manageable things and, and trying to improve that a little bit every day and working out what person you need to become to achieve those things. And then it becomes yeah. more uh, freeing. It becomes more, life becomes more enjoyable. You enjoy the process more as opposed to that, you know, big validating tick of I've achieved my dream, you know? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's uh, what you said in, in terms of also you're breaking it down. You know, small steps can add up to a big thing. It's like climbing a mountain, you know. If you look at the top, you think I'm never going to get there. But if you concentrate on what's in front of you. What, what, what's then... your advice? I'd love to hear what you think, Richard, because you, you've had success. So how did you, you know, create that form of success from a young boy what, to where you are now? What I think is basically... Um, it's good to have goals, but you shouldn't be too inflexible because life can throw you a curveball. You know, life throws you a curveball. You know, you're on the river. There's a bend. You know, you're that. You, you never know what's going to come next. And I think also being able to have a goal, but being able to take the changes and the movements of life with you, is really important because you know I could never have envisaged what I would be doing right now, um, but. I do have a goal that I wanted to have my own clinic and I wanted to do cosmetic dentistry and um, those things did come 
to to be but i think at the same time lots of changes happen and things happen randomly you know you never know what's going to happen tomorrow and it's kind of taking these things in your stride and um that's really important i think just from from my point of view i, I love what you both said there um I just think it's important that people make the differentiation between motivation and discipline, because let's be honest, we're not going to be motivated every day to get out of bed and graft or do something, particularly if you're an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial and you have to set your own calendar and your own time and your own alarms and you're your own boss. Um, that's a little bit, I suppose, a little bit harder for people to create a real strategy around what they need to do on a day to day. But understanding that by integrating habits takes doing the small things well. So when we talk about habits, it's about doing the small things right and building that into your lifestyle. So what we want to create is a lifestyle for someone, not someone who feels like when they get to a certain level in their life, they'll be happy. So that attachment of their emotion to achieving success is always really dangerous because when they get that, it's, it, it, it's always feels a little bit disappointing. They're always pushing for more and then they can't appreciate the journey they've already gone on to get there. So it creates, it can create big mental health problems because someone's spent their whole life trying to prove people wrong by getting to a degree of success and go, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then it's like, whoa, what now? So that's why we see so many people with seven figure incomes who people would see on paper as, oh my word, I want to be like them, who are deeply unhappy because they spent their whole life trying to prove people wrong to get to this level of success and it didn't fill them the way that, didn't fill their sense of esteem in the way that they thought it would so that's why it's important to fall in love with the process and i wish i'd known this playing cricket because there was so much if i get out today i'm gonna be embarrassed so automatically i've attached an emotion to a performance instead of going have i done everything in my power to up the probability of success knowing full well i can't control the outcome so that goes back to your point uh Richard, about how it can sort of take you like this life it can take you in diagonals and you have to be prepared to go off piste but to be, keep it simple, just start the probability of success by doing everything you can uh, and, and be yeah. comfortable with the outcome, knowing that you gave it your everything. I think it's really important to stay true to yourself. Um, and, you know, you talked about not comparing yourself as much as you can to other people. And what might be successful on paper is not necessarily what's success for you. And as, as you said, you know, being happy and fulfilled is got to be a goal you know whatever you achieve if you're not happy then that's that's definitely missing something um better to be happy and do something else you know for some people it's like they want to travel and backpack around and for them that's happiness do you know what i mean and that's what they should do yeah but, but who could but this this i listened to a really good video the other day someone talking about and and the guy was pretty blunt to the camera i think it was something that just came up popped up and he went who created this narrative that life need life is has to be happy and full of full of like and full of f- all these fantasies that you grew up with and about and this perfect love story and and it puts so much pressure and expectation on us to achieve that level of happiness and he said my advice he said is look at life like it's a challenge with a series of highs and a series of lows not i need to be happy every single moment i possibly can be because it's not achievable life is challenging and you'll have some moments of happiness and some moments of dark lows. And I think that maybe, it kind of when I heard it, I was like, that takes the pressure off as well. And expecting life to be a challenge with some falls and some jumps. Sure, can I just say, do you yeah. just jump in there? It's, it's, you've underlined the problem. Actually, 
that we have as society, which is we're being conditioned from a very, very young age that that's what life is meant to be. So from age five, six, we begin to watch TV channels and get bedtime stories, even younger, about the perfect story, the perfect life, you know, Cinderella and all of these sorts of things. It's being ingrained into our psyche where we are at our most vulnerable about pick, at picking up information without any ability to understand the truth of life. So mm. how do we rewind that? It's difficult. And society, we almost have to go against the grain if we're going to feel happy generally in life. Because if there's an element of expectation as to what life should be, then what happens when, Richard, as you said, you hit the, you hit the roadblock or you get taken in another direction? Well, it's not a simple step-by-step -step process all the time, is it? So that's a, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? How do, we, how, we do, how do we stop this conditioning from a young age? Yeah, and I think you're right. It's okay for everything not to be perfect, you know what I mean? And as you said, you're going to have ups and downs, and that's life, and it's about kind of embracing the journey. Yeah, embracing it and then and just tr trusting that it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. Let's let's be honest. Anyone listening to this podcast and and we've all been through massive challenge, but we're still here today. And and the fact that we woke up today is a blessing. How do you kind of be kind to yourself but still have a sense of personal discipline? Oh, great question, Fabs. You you breathe heavily. I know Fabian so well he gets excited by things. <laughs> um, so the question is, how do you stay kind to yourself when you have a level of personal discipline? management of management of what I can and can't control would be my answer so if I'm being disciplined I'd rather achieve five things of the seven things on my to-do list to the best of my ability and know that I had two that I didn't do which I can then put onto tomorrow's schedule but also ask myself the question have I given everything I can to make today a success and if the answer is yes you take a deep breath you step back and you go that's all I'm humanly capable of so it's it's very much trying to release that perfectionist mindset and be comfortable with being human and being authentic. Well, it's, I, can I can answer both? So I'd say, to, to answer questions to both those, so kindness is, for me, it's the, the narrative that lives inside your head. That's kindness. Kindness is what, kindness is you forming and wiring up yourself enough to say nice things to yourself more than negative. Um, and kindness to oneself is the act of self-love, doing things for you, and it starts there. But then when those thoughts come in that we all get that aren't helpful, is challenging them and asking them questions because a lot of the time they're not truthful. So that's kindness for me. And, and the other one is personal discipline. Discipline is taking action. And that all derives from doing something that's out of your comfort zone. So I'd say if you can challenge thought processes, but at the same time, take yourself out of your comfort zone to, because you know it's going to improve your life, you can live and exist with both those things. But I think that's all, those two things are what we're all trying to achieve better. We all want to be a bit happier. We all want to be a bit more disciplined. <laughs> Do you know what, Jules? Uh, on that point, so to, to come in there, um, you just, it just came to my mind that it's often people's symbolism that they give to the word failure that either allows them to leave the comfort zone or, or be stifled in where they're at. So when we say that word, it's, again, another conditioning thing. People instantly think, oh, my word, I will avoid that at all costs problem with that is you can't move in the direction that you truly want or attack your dreams unless failure becomes a part of the process not the end of the road emotionally um so i would say that's another element of trying to drop the perfectionist mindset is accepting that you are going to fail and actually seeing it as a great opportunity to learn and with that 
comes significant progress because the majority of people, a high percentage of people will never do anything that's uncomfortable. They'll be comfortable standing still because of fear of doing something. But the problem is the risk of regret will always outweigh the risk of, of doing something and failing. Always. So what would you yeah. rather is the question I would ask to your listeners. Oh, yeah. Eradicate regret. I sometimes have that conversation with clients. It's like, you, how, if, you were, if you had to, this is a good challenge for anyone listening as well. If you transported yourself to the age 80, what would you do right now? If you were to look back at the age of 80 or 90, looking back, what would you have to do right now to eradicate any regret going forwards? And you get people going, oh, I'd probably spend more time with my family so I don't regret not having enough connection to them. You know, I'd, pro I'd probably, you know, I'd probably put myself first and start to be kind to myself. I'd start to, maybe I start to get into fitness because I know I want to live longer. I don't want to die earlier. And I'm like, whoa, what, you've just told me three things that would radically change your life. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's, as you said, um, it's about not having that fear. Um, there's something about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And also there's that um, ability to give yourself the pat on the back for the things that you have done. Mm not for what you haven't done it's not always oh i've got all these other things that i haven't done what about the things that you've done and you've done well and congratulating yourself on that yeah I, i'll just rephrase that a little bit i would say we can't escape fear fear is a is a an emotion that's derived of thousands of years of you know trying to survive um we haven't evolved enough to eliminate it in standard day-to-day -day events um and it's just an emotion. It's to look at it as an emotion and not identify as an emotion. So almost draw a bridge between I am Fabian or I am Richard, I am Julius and what you feel. People often say when they're sad or going through something, I am depressed or I am anxious or no, you feel that way. So if you can feel, if you feel it, it's emotion, it's a passing wave, thoughts come and go, feelings come and go. But if you're really like in terms of self-love, if you're really owning that emotion, it's going to manifest physically if you keep repeating to yourself that you are this, you are this, you are this. Without drawing that line, it can become really counterproductive to your mental health. So uh, I would say fear is always going to be there. It's how you manage it effectively and quickly and be able to rationalize with the fear. Are you in a life or death situation or are you not? What is the worst case scenario? Uh, and that yeah. way you can begin to find real, real answers, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, people say to me like, oh, what's this is the worst thing that can happen? But what about it could be the best thing that happens? Ooh. And also, let's not deal with it until we get there, you know? Richard, f f fear versus faith mindset. Fabian's, Fabian's probably a bit gutted. <laughs> One of his favourites. Fabian's favourite <laughs> line in every single session we have because so often we're scared of the things that probably won't happen. You know, you know, there are some good acronyms to fear. You know, fear is false evidence appearing real. You know, it's, you see it as evidence, but it hasn't even happened yet. And I know we sometimes fear things based on what happened then. You know, you get cheated on once, you think you're going to get cheated on again. You know, things like that. But the truth is, faith that it'll all be okay is a far more light and enjoyable road than fear that it's all going to go wrong. Exactly. So what... With Safe Space, what would you like this, um, the brand to represent and what do you see for it going forwards? We're both, we're both, we both wonder where you should go. I'll, 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 I'll go first and then Fabs can uh, t top in. 
So we want so so we have named Safe Space the home of self development. We want to ultimately help more people feel less alone, work on themselves, grow and magnify their whatever their success, whatever happiness means to them. We want uh, self-development and safe space to be at people's fingertips, so eventually we want that to grow into, you know, uh, to be anywhere, a phone, iPad, anything so people can access. With the leading coaches and an opportunity for people to, uh, to create communities and feel less alone. That's our biggest thing. Richard, there's, there's a massive grey area between the person who's depressed and suicidal and the person who's super happy. There's this grey area in the middle that a lot of people exist in, the majority of people do. And we want to catch people before they fall to the to the other side and and help them feel like they can work on them and find their potential even in the darkest of moments yeah I, I've just gone to that it's about unity it's about doing it together um, I also what I found with one-on-one -on -one coaching which is transferred into to safe space is when someone comes with a business uh, concept or they say I really want to work hard on becoming better at sales or I want to become better at handling pressure lots of all of that is to do with something more ingrained to do with their emotional state it's not necessarily about their business goal it's about how they become the most confident version of themselves so instantly before you even get on to techniques in order to improve their sales it's like how can we get you to a level where you're confident enough to deliver it so that's the process of becoming so with with the self-development with with safe space of course we want to broaden it where everyone can have it at their fingertips but we, we, want to, we want people to feel they can engage in this confidentially. But we don't um, just want to give an opportunity to people who, who are really necessarily struggling with their mental health. Or we, want it to be for, we want it to be for people who aren't necessarily struggling with their mental health, but just want to improve. So it's for everyone. Uh, of all ages, our youngest has been, I think, Jules, 17 or 18. Our oldest on Safe Space has been around their 60s. The conversation from different generations that can generate, the friendships that can form, even though they're three or four generations apart, has been staggering. So um, it's doing, it's, it's creating and tailoring a powerful mindset and having a toolbox to overcome your challenges whilst doing it with a group of people and it being an enjoyable and exciting and accountable road. And it's, um, it's epic, we've loved it, we've loved being a part of it. And we'd love so many more people to, to come and join our community. Absolutely amazing. Well, we're going to be definitely keeping tuned for what's coming up and so many exciting things there. Um, so what do you guys see for yourselves personally for your future, either, you know, in the immediate short term future or the longer term future? Um, at the moment, uh, safe space is everything to, I would say I'll speak personally, and then Fagan speak personally. When it comes to our per, uh, our work life, so I spoke. To, I sp safe space is is our complete. Uh, that is our tunnel vision at the moment. We want to grow that and continue to grow that, and we have our plans and where we want to take it. And ultimately, it's going. I know we know we know we're going to achieve everything we want to because we're so passionate about it. We have this amazing feeling about it. Um, in terms of personal, um, be f surrounded by those I love. Find. Um, and hold on to every you know true and authentic love I can find. Eventually, uh, we'll go we'll go a bit further. Have have kids. Have have um, have a wife forever that is always forever loyal to me as I will be to her. And um, and travel the world and uh, do good by my values. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean you summed up safe space for for me. It's uh, I would I would say 
continuing to go against my conditioning and my nurture and know that I'm enough regardless of outcome and continue to drop the perfectionism that's sort of ingrained into me from a young age playing sport and try and enjoy try and enjoy every moment whether it's good and bad and see it as an experience not as a life sentence to 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 take over my my happiness i think the biggest lesson for me and something that my mum passed on to me when i was i think i got home from school when i was 7 or 8 years old maybe a bit older 9 and i'd had a pretty bad day you know a few kids teasing me and whatever i got a bad mark in the school exam and i came home in tears and she sat me down and she said um Fabian, you're going to remember this. Never give anyone the power to ruin your day. And I remember sitting there and it something just clicked to me even at that young age. And I put this on my social media the other day and I'd never forgotten it. Um, I forgot it for a few years as I was growing up and I was adolescent and my head was all over the place, but it returned. And what I would say is really use that. No one has the right to affect your happiness unless you give them the opportunity to do so. And often people treat you out of the lens of what they're experiencing in that moment. There's a really well-known line of hurt people hurt people. And I'm a big advocate for that, which is why we should always show compassion to ourselves in a situation where we've been hurt. But also in some way try and find it in us to forgive the other person as well. And that, that's been one of my biggest things that I would pass on. And if I can continue to do that, that would lead to hopefully a fairly happy life. <laughs> definitely a very happy life <laughs> and I think like you said there you know forgiveness is really powerful and it takes a weight off of you thank you guys for joining me all of the details for Julius and Fabian will be in the show notes and you can find out more about Safe Space as well it's really great to hear your journey both of you and this amazing um, project and uh, about Safe Space that you've got so we're going to be keeping tuned and plenty more people hopefully join the community. And I think your passion for it really comes through and helping other people, you know, that just gives even more joy. So um, thanks everybody for listening. And if you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. For more about me, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard Double Underscore or visit my website www.drrichardlondon.com. This is a Pod People production and it was recorded at Spiritland Studios and the music is by Delhi Music and we will see you next time.